everybody, welcome to Starship Podcast Warlock. My name is Drew. My name is Jeff. And we are two American nerds uh, who are making this podcast about The Young Ones, which is a show that we both love um, and uh, has only 13 episodes, so it's not a huge commitment. So <laughs> that's why we're doing this. Uh, what we're going to be doing is uh, we are going to watch an episode of The Young Ones tonight. The episode is Oil. So if you are interested in watching along with us, now would be a great time to pause the podcast. I know you've just started, but pause it anyway. Uh, go get your legally purchased copy of uh, The Young Ones and uh, get that ready to go. Um, and we will have a moment later on where we queue it up and you can watch it while we're watching it and listen to our inane commentary uh, and occasional silence just to watch and laugh, which seems to be what happens. Uh, so, Jeff, <laughs> yes. we're going to chat a little bit before we get started, yeah. just kind of as a warm-up. That, um, that'll give people even more time to go look for their DVDs. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could you could just ignore this part and go be looking for a DVD if you want. You don't really have to pause the podcast. You could just keep No, they going. can listen and look for their um, DVD. I, I think that's perfectly fine. Oh, that, yeah, fair yeah, enough. Okay. I mean, it just it depends on how long the cord on their phone is. Oh, Drew... You're thinking it's still 1982. Well, I get it. Yeah, exactly. We're getting into the 1982 mentality. Uh -huh. So, you know, we, we had corded phones. We didn't have the Internet. Uh, did I have a TRS-80 color computer? I probably didn't yet. I don't think I, I did. did. did you? I did. I got mine on uh, March 14th, 1982. I cannot believe you know that. I date. know the actual date. My God. Uh-huh. Uh, were you, what were you doing on your computer at that point? Um, I was, uh, I was playing Dungeons of Daggerath, which was, uh, favorite game ever at the time. I am, um, even though I was absolutely horrible about it. And I was programming, uh, games. Actually, I would program games, but most of them were unfinished. I spent more time drawing, um, catalogs of the games that I was going to make than actually finishing the games themselves. <laughs> uh, a couple of them I went back and, and finished, like, you know, when I was home from college at one point um, uh, and concluded so the game sucked, but it was, uh, at least I finished the damn thing. So these were your own games. You were making them up, right? Some of them were, were pastiches of existing games. I had a, um, a version of Jungle Hunt, um, a, a attempt at Pac-Man, like, and, and some of them were, um, some of them were really more animations than games, actually. Like I was, having too much fun animating the title screen and never actually got around to the game. Did I mention um, ADHD? Uh, yeah, explains a lot. <laughs> well, uh, the difference between you and me is that you were you were programming games that you had made up yourself, even if they were modeled on other games, like you were making them work, or even just animating screens. And what I was doing when I finally got a TRS-80 was I was getting, uh, like... I think in magazines and definitely in books, you know, they had books that were like, program your own computer games. I had a few of those. Uh, and what you'd have to do is, yeah, you'd have to type in the program, right? So it would have this listing and it would run to like two whole pages. And I was looking at it and I was tired already. I was like, oh my God, I have to type all this in. I was the laziest kid. 
Uh, so, I, you know, I wasn't even making them up, and I was just tired having to type in uh, all the code for the games. So you were way, way ahead of me in that score. Well, and every once in a while, they would, uh, they would accidentally leave out a line of code, and you couldn't figure out why the hell your program wasn't working. Uh, there, there were some, there were some um, computer magazines that came out around that time that also people could publish. They, they would send their own game listings in and, and would, uh, would publish it for whoever, whoever won. And um, I had a, a few of those. I used to type a, a couple things in. I had a bunch of stuff printed out in an old dot matrix printer. Um, I, I still have that Trash 80 at home at, uh, at my parents' place in Connecticut, and I'll eventually ship it over here. Oh my yeah. god! I, I think mine probably still is at my parents' house somewhere. I have your Intellivision. It might even be in my dad's room. I don't know if you remember. You do have yeah. my Intellivision. Yeah, it's um, well, my Intellivision. So we are getting a little bit into 1983 here, um, but I think that's acceptable. So, um, that oh, the was, Intellivision started uh, in 1979. Called, but anyway, sorry. Well, the one I got, I got, you know, around this time. Uh, like I think we were. I think we were moving to Florida at this point, uh, and I was starting third grade, and so that was about the time I got it. And and this thing, it's not an actual Intellivision; it's a Sears Super Video Arcade. So it's a clone. I I don't even know if Sears still exists, but if it does, um, they they used to sell their own kind of like uh, clone of both Atari and Intellivision. So like the regular one. Uh, I don't know. I feel like it was dark wood grain or something, and this one was sort of beige. Like it. Yeah, the colors. I don't even know how the, to explain the colors to kids were what consoles looked like back then. Well, they can go on the internet and take a look. I suppose yeah. that's true. Uh, we couldn't. Uh, this is true. <laughs> so, Jeff, what else were you doing in uh, at the end of nineteen? All right. So I was nine. I was in fourth grade. Um, and uh, and to place what was there at the time, the summer of 82 was, uh, you know, we just had one of the greatest set of uh, movie experiences in in history. If you look at what came out in summer of 1982, you know, E.T., Star Trek II, um, yes. you know, Poltergeist, Fast Times at Richmond High, which, I, of course, I didn't see at the time, Rocky Three, you know, Conan, um, Tron, did I say Tron? Um, I, I actually, um, I saw E.T., um, five times, and the last time that I saw it was we went to a drive-in, and because uh, we went to a drive-in to see Tron, and you figure me being computer geek and stuff like that, I would like it, but I was so bored by it, it moved so slowly at the time, that even with the computer graphics and things like that, I snuck over to the other uh, drive-in, because, you know, they had two movies playing on, on different screen, and sat and, and watched E.T. Um, I don't know how long it took my parents to notice that I was missing, but uh, <laughs> uh, maybe they were actually happy for the silence because I was not a quiet kid. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, and I, I, so I, like, this is... I like Tron, but for some reason I was just so fascinated by E.T., so that's amazing to me. So I loved Tron. I loved it. Uh, and I think just the the visuals and like the the video game tie-in, the music, everything else. I loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, I do remember seeing E.T. in the theater. Uh, I saw that in the town where like my dad grew up because uh, at the time we were back um, like briefly living with my grandparents or my grandmother 
um, because we were in the process of kind of moving. Uh, we were moving from South Carolina to Florida, and we went up there for kind of a, a, a few months to kind of visit up there and presumably, you know, figure out what to do next. So, um, yeah, I remember seeing E.T. in the theater there. I remember the line was, was out the door. Um, I also remember seeing Star Trek II in the theater, and I was a year younger than you, or almost yeah. a year younger, so I was like eight. Uh, and I remember Star Trek II, um, the whole business with the, uh, you know what they're called. What are they called? Are you talking about the, uh, the SETI Alpha, the, the eels, the slugs in the ear? Yes, mm-hmm. the eels. SETI eels, was that what they called them? I, I don't know if they actually gave them names, but... Uh, I, they, they called them something, yeah. but they were terrifying. Like, I, I'm sure everyone who listens to this podcast knows what I'm talking about, but these are the little, like, uh, earwig slash slug things that Khan puts in the ears of Chekhov and the other fella, and they mind-controlled them. Uh, and Chekhov's, like, they were both in agony with these things crawling into their ears, and I was just horrified. Like, it was one of the scariest things I'd ever seen uh, at that point. Uh, yeah, so... The other thing I did with respect to these movies, by the way, is like I would read the novelizations. So I read, uh, and they would come out ahead of the movie, I think. Yes. So I'm pretty sure I had the novel they had del- of E.T. deleted scenes or things that were not in the movie because they'd been edited out. Yeah, I had the one for Tron. Mm. I had the one for Dark Crystal. Later on, I would read the books for Alien and Aliens before mm. I even got to see the movies. So I usually had these things going in, and that might have helped me too with Tron because it was like I already knew the whole story. I think part of the, I part of the problem it. with Tron was that I think I had jumped to ET before a lot of the graphics were uh, were shown. So I uh, I think if they jumped in earlier, I I would have been more. Um, <laughs> I, I actually I can't defend myself. That that annoys me to this day why it was that way. But um, especially as a well, so big. I mean, to give you an idea how much of a big video game geek that I was, how weird this was that that earlier that year, um, a friend of mine had an Atari. I, I didn't have an Atari, and and his for his birthday party, um, they had a barbecue, and um, he got Defender had come out for the Atari, and and. Um, I really, really wanted to play it, but we we were at the barbecue. Who the hell wants hamburgers? I want the damn game. And um, so we're at the barbecue, and I see this really interesting-looking rock uh, good ways away from the barbecue. It's this gray rock. What is this? And I picked this up, and I gripped it really hard. And and in like a wily wily coyote moment, you could actually see how long it took for the uh, for the um, the neurons to fire, for the impulse to travel all the way to my brain, saying. Hey, idiot, you're holding hot charcoal. And so, yeah, um, so they took me back. This was at, like, a local park. This wasn't at their house. So, like, uh, the the kid's mother took me back to their place, and I'm sitting there, and, like, water blister that that took up basically the entire length of my uh, my hand was already blowing up by that point, and oh they had it wrapped God. in ice or whatever, and they called my mother, and, and they're saying, is there anything we could do? My God, my God, is there anything you could do? And I'm sitting there, tears in my eyes, going, <laughs> I want to play Defender. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there in pain, but stifling it because I'm getting to play this game and nobody else is because they're still at the barbecue. And then my mother walks in the door and the second she walks in the door, <laughs> Oh my God, this is so relatable. Yeah. So I feel like I pulled something like that as a kid too. I know I burned my hand once on the lighter in my dad's car because I was a kid and I didn't really know what it was. So like I pushed in the lighter and I'm like, I don't know what this button is. And I pulled it out and the, the whole thing comes out. 
I'm like, what? what is this thing? And then I touched it, and of course it was uh, hot because it was for lighting your cigarette. Do they still have those in cars? They must. I'm sure they do. I mean, people still smoke. Uh, yeah. Anyway, this fascinating look back at 1983 uh, brought to you by... Um, I, I, you know, maybe we should watch the episode and maybe we'll have more to talk about afterwards. I guess this but, was, this uh, was this so cathartic. Kind of fascinating... I, I feel like we could just go on... It, no, just shut me up. Well, uh, actually, since we can edit this thing, we could keep talking about 1982, 1983 for as long as oh, we want. Oh, that's true. We'll be back in about four hours. Um, time dilation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, this was entering a time in my life that I really enjoyed, actually, uh, because uh, moving to Florida. So I think you said that the season that we're watching now, The Young Ones, was over by the time... 1983 started. Yes, right? I, I looked it up, and and the first episode was uh, was like the 9th of November, and and uh, the last one was December 14th. Wow! Oh, right, because there's only like six, six of episodes. Them. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, I won't talk about 19, 1983 then. I did not move to Florida until 1983, so we will not talk about that on this podcast. But I loved Florida at the time. Uh, for like an eight year old, nine year old kid, it's like super cool for like anyone else probably not <laughs> so yeah uh what else is going on in 1982 uh, i want to say i was getting into xanadu at that point oh dear lord <laughs> uh that may also have been 1983 um and not for the you know the romance roller disco thing uh, but for uh the cool scene of the beginning where olivia newton john and all the other muses I think they come off a painting or something, and then they're all glowing. That rings a bell. I haven't in seen these that movie neon in so colors, long. which was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And you know, they're roller skating around, just these like, you know, uh, I assume they were gorgeous. I don't really even remember. Um, I know Olivia Newton-John was, uh, but yeah, just roller skating around with these like glowing halos around them, and I thought it was so cool. It was kind of the reverse of Tron because Tron starts out with. You know, that, that weird kind of awkward love triangle between Jeff Bridges and Bruce Boxleitner and... Sidney uh, Morgan. Sidney Morgan, that's right. Uh, and, you know, sitting around in the arcade talking about, uh, you know, non-video game things. I can see how you might have gotten bored enough to go and see E.T. at that point. Because uh, it takes a while for Flynn to get into the game. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so that that was the kind of thing I was into. With it. And the music, of course, from Xanadu, the soundtrack from Xanadu is just wonderful except for one song i'm curious what that song is that song is suddenly ah yes <laughs> well, actually right. no sorry take it back that's uh that song is on the olivia, New olivia newton john's greatest hits volume two which at the time was my favorite record uh it may or may not be on the soundtrack to uh to xanadu but what i do remember about that particular song is cliff richards on it that is an excellent segue Am I crazy? I think he is. I, I will trust you on I'm that. I'm just going to check real quick since we do have the internet and it's not 1982. Uh, Xanadu. Xanadu was 1980, right? It was it was prior to that, I think. But um, Yeah, I think it must have like, was running started on TV. being on TV. Yeah. That's what was going on, yeah. Um, I'm sure it wasn't a good movie, but it had things that I liked about it, which was mainly those like imagery they have a stage show things. now which amuses the hell out of me it is like um it is cliff richard wow that's amazing brilliant <laughs> so uh 
there was one other thing I was going to say about 1982. Oh, this was just a time when um, I think I was discovering girls at this point. I feel like I already had, but there was one in particular that I had a huge crush on. Uh, she was one of a pair of twins, um, and uh, this was like second grade beginning of third grade or something like that oh actually no third grade was somebody else i'm just gonna edit this part out nobody needs to hear about this i need to hear about it but we can talk about it offline <laughs> yeah um yeah that was definitely the start of getting lots of of crushes on various girls i didn't get crushes on boys until later i um right, the one other thing i was going to say about 1982 was that um that was my first uh sleepaway camp for summer and um it was only a week but that was a huge a huge step for me and i remember i, I remember it uh mainly because i remember coming home at the end and actually being happy great i'm home and all that and my parents basically shoved me into a suit and said we're driving to new york and i said why and they said because your great-grandfather died and we're going to the funeral and all i wanted to do was uh oh my God. all i wanted to do was uh was go home after yeah i enjoyed the camp a lot but i was looking forward to being back home uh, but uh, but I loved that summer camp a lot, and that was the first of of several consecutive years of of doing things like that. And um, uh, yeah, nineteen eighty two started that. That yeah, was you're, that. you're lucky. I never got to go to a sleepaway camp. I, I went to like a day camp for like a yeah. week. I, I, and when I say day camp, it was basically just you go to a place and do some activities and go home at the end of the day. I just remember I, I did that prior to that in, in previous years, but um, at that point, mom, I, mom and dad, I think were happy to ship me out for a little while. They actually, the story goes that they were actually worried that I was going to have a meltdown and, and be crying for them. And so that they actually had a meltdown as they were driving away. And I was throwing my hat up in the air behind the car yelling, yippee, they're gone. <laughs> I, I feel like that could have gone either way for you. Yeah. So I think their worry there was legit. It's, but it's true. I'm glad that it was... Glad that it was. It's fun. true. Um, God, I remember that camp. I I just remember them blaring. You know, I, a lot of summer camp. I base in my memory on the music that was playing at the time. Like I remember, um, uh, "Don't You Want Me" was play yes. was playing incessantly that summer. That was the. I think that was the first pop song I was ever aware hmm. of, because um, my next door neighbor. Uh, was playing it when I was over there hanging out at one point, and I, I just loved that song immediately. Uh, I think this has been formative for me, those the Xanadu soundtrack and uh, and Don't You Want Me, both things that I still love today. Mm -hmm. Though only one of them have we actually done in karaoke together. Oh, what was it? Don't you want me? Yeah, I, I've never done anything from Xanadu in, uh, in karaoke, <laughs> but I could be convinced of it, I'm sure. I think I actually did Xanadu. I think it was um, when my sister was here visiting uh, and we went to Rockbox. I think it was for my birthday. Mm. And, uh, and we went there. And my sister and I have a lot of music in common. Uh, and so we, we sang a whole bunch of stuff that we'd grown up with because we were close enough in age, I think, to, to be into some of the same music. So, that is 1982. I feel... I think we should watch I feel cleansed. Now. I feel cleansed. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So, um, what's going on now, loyal listeners, is that we're getting out... Oh, plural. Cool. ...our DVD player app here. 
I'm trying to figure out how to start it again because I think I stopped it earlier. It was just going through previews. Can I just say, this feels like an Andy Rooney thing to say, but I really, really hate that I can buy a DVD or a Blu-ray and then I have to sit through ads every time I watch it. It's like, what did I pay for? To watch the ads? Apparently. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Uh, now is a great time for you to get oil queued up in your young one's player, whatever that happens to be. Uh, Jeff and I have it queued up right now. Uh, and in just a second, I will count us down so that we can all start it at the very same time. Jeff, are you ready? Yes, finally. All right, here we go. Counting down from three, two, one, and then on go, we will press play. Actually, I'll say play, because that's more uh, appropriate. Here we go. Three, two, one, play. So last time we were talking about the fact that uh, demolition took place in a completely different house. I can't remember if the, t the titles didn't look like this, did they? They did. They did. Oh, they the, did. So they already had those titles. Yes, the the first uh, the first season and the second season had different titles, but they were consistent between uh, within the episodes of a season. Okay. Spoilers. <laughs> Rick is already very different from the Rick that we saw last time. I love how he carries himself, you know, his hands, the way he has his hands at his sides. It's very mm -hmm. distinctive. <laughs> Neil seems a little more cheerful as well well you can only do committing suicide jokes for so long fortunately it's kind of the equivalent of killing Kenny at some point you give up on it What security deposit? 
Kids, this is a practical effect. Brilliant. So I'm trying to remember, in Drama House, is this how we chose rooms? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> it's so many, like, weird fourth wall jokes already. I don't think we had that many in the last one. I mean, we had the two serial moments with the uh, with the rats, but uh, that's not really a fourth wall that's thing. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> suit is kind of De Niro-esque, I feel like. Hmm. A little bit. A little bit. Kids, that's called a cassette recorder. <laughs> oh my god. I almost forgot about this. This is the weirdest joke. That's called a pocket calculator, kids. <laughs> It's like a phone minus everything that's not a calculator. Bugs are meat, buddy, Ollie. Well, you know, blood was going to his head. He wasn't thinking clearly. I love about that is that Mike was um, preparing his room to look like he actually is having a lot of sex. It's a furnished apartment, at least. Especially good for poor college students.
two wishes. I blame Thatcher. Hmm. I love that they're called spaghetti hoops. I like the fact that you can see that there's a little exposed uh, brick. Trying to read his buttons. That's a uh, bit of foreshadowing. Yes. Pretty sure I didn't get that joke the first time I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a little out of sync because my screensaver tried to come uh -oh. up. We'll just go with it. I want a super cut of every time somebody breaks something over somebody else's head in the show. <laughs> it's an amazing slow-mo mm -hmm. explosion. the sequence so creepy. I don't know why. 
probably the fact that his uh, pants are could be potentially ripped in some revealing places. Maybe that was it. This reminds me of there's a Python episode with the uh, they're on a boat yes. and they're on. Wow, spoilers. <laughs> I swear, there's a lot of references to future episodes. There are. It's so bizarre that the episode stopped for this long to do this joke. Mm. <laughs> oh, fair enough, Mike. That's good Norwegian cooking. <laughs> Paper mache. In the before time, they would run out of programming. Yes. Oh, have you got a video? I, l <laughs> I love the weird relationship between the two of them. There isn't even a penguin on that telly. <laughs> I never knew what he said until just now. 
It's I, I was just thinking that. I mean, I'd have one of those in my room. Robbie Coltrane. First of two appearances. His name is Hagrid, Mike. Yeah, and that's Peeves. <laughs> <laughs> it's the sound effect that gets me. <laughs> Someone on the left track just goes, aww. This mm -hmm. 
True story. This is how Downton Abbey started. It's Robbie Coltrane also, isn't it? Sounds like him. <laughs> Put their little socialist plug in there, I think. Oh, just kiss him. That's why I don't sleep. <laughs> Those are like my sneezes. I repeat, they needed... The variety show budget. getting close to home I wasn't going to say that
Oh, wow. Hmm. Wow. Fortunately, that was a quick scene. Oh, to think if Les Mis had come out before this. I love how this whole thing really cements the relationship between the four of That's them. That's true. It goes Mike, Vivian, Rick, and Neil. Looking at Rick right now, he reminds me of what uh, Hugh Laurie would look like if he was completely mental. <laughs> he does have a little bit of a Hugh Laurie-ish silhouette here. We can compare them in a few episodes from now. It's true.
Rick is considerably more pathetic in this episode than he was in Demolition. His body language is always fascinating to me, just the way he holds himself and, like, you know, kind of shakes back and forth or gyrates himself, or, like I said, the way that he holds him. Mm-hmm. So it, it just makes the character. I know what it's like to perform in a place like that. Yeah. Okay, that's funny. We were just talking about that. Well, yeah, Xanadu and the Human League. Mm-hmm. That is the most 80s drum set ever. I love it so much. Oh, the headbands. several pairs of those that I don't wear anymore (laughs) because I never go out anymore. So what's the story with Lise Mayer? She was dating Rick, I believe, at the time, and and co-creator. Yeah. I remember looking her up to see what else she's done since then. I don't recall, unfortunately, which is rather embarrassing. I feel like I I should know what else she's done. Well, this will give us some homework between episodes. I love how they basically decided, oh, that's it. Episode's over. We've we've run out of stuff to do. That, oh, that was so super tight, though. Like I feel like there was a joke crammed into every moment of that. Speaking of which, I 
that's so good. It is funny though that um, parts of this feel very. I mean, they're, they're individual little gags or bits. I mean, I, I I've always felt like this episode is is a bunch of little gags as opposed to a full storyline. I mean, eventually they get to the whole oil thing, but I mean, it's you know, first they're setting the house up, then they're um, uh, you know, the the Buddy Holly joke. Um, it it it's it always seemed a little more um, patched together than some of the other episodes. Um, although I suppose that's not entirely fair. I mean, you look at Bambi. Bambi's really two halves of an episode. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I like the uh, I like the fact that this episode takes a while to get to anything like a main plot because it. It sort of keeps you guessing a little bit. Like, even watching this, I've seen this so many times and I forgot which bits are in this episode versus everything mm. else. Um, and so that, to me, just kind of keeps it fresh. Whereas, like, if there's a, a plot and you sort of remember the pieces of the plot, it's easier, I think, to to be like, okay, yeah, well, I, I kind of know what comes next. I mean... Uh, it's amazing that there's still little surprises in this one. It's, it's funny. Like, I mean, the things that I remember the most about this episode... Um, is the uh, is them getting set up in the beginning the whole kneel your bedrooms on fire, which is probably my favorite joke of the episode, um, and then <laughs> and then of course the little zinger at the end, um, and and Doctor Martin's boots. Um, you know, I uh, I do adore that song. It, it's um, I, I don't know if he mentions radical posture. I don't know if Alexi Sale actually had a band or if they said we have to have, as I mentioned before, f- to have the variety show budget, they had to have a uh, band in every episode and they just came up with that as an excuse because they couldn't get a band otherwise. I don't know. Um, but uh, but I, I, I love how that bit slots into the episode overall. Oh, I enjoy it too. Um, it's, it's just ridiculous, but I, I love the sort of parody of concert behavior and all this sort of thing uh that he does uh at the beginning of it i think was this uh this probably was about the time of live aid right uh live aid was that 1983 live aid was or band-aid i forget well, it's, which is it's which. you move between 83 and 85 where you had a couple of the other stuff so it's it's not quite there yet um yeah it's a it's a little bit after that but it is the right the so, right era for it you're saying that they got the idea from the young ones. Yes, yes, that's exactly what I'm concerts. saying. Bob Geldof was apparently watching <laughs> the young ones, and and yeah, absolutely. Seems likely. Sure. Seems likely. You know, I, I don't know. Did they uh, did they perform you know Hole in My Shoe at uh, at Live Aid? I, I don't know. How could they mm. not? So, uh, just circling back, I guess some of the stuff that I was saying earlier. That whole bit with Neil and Rick on the floor, and then uh, Mike, and then Vivian. My, you know, Mike is the only person that Vivian defers to, but he consistently defers to him. Like he's he's pretty much always respectful to Mike and like seems to look up to him. Uh, so here, obviously, he was this toady um, oppressing Rick, who oppresses Neil. Like it's it's just sort of like a a very consistent. There's a pecking order. There is absolutely hierarchy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Vivian and, and Rick are, you know, sort of vying for for dominance there. But, I mean, clearly Vivian is always going to win because Rick is uh, kind of, in terms of violence, pretty useless. Yeah, and the only person he could take it out on is, is Neil. Poor Neil. Poor Neil. The, the fact that, God, you actually hear the audience feel sympathy for him at one point. 
he is kind of an adorable character in a well, way. Well, it's, it's funny, you know, if you look at um, American sitcoms versus British, and and Brits will have on the whole that they, they can get. Um, you, I, I can think of more examples in in. Britcoms where they will go towards some of the nastier end of things. Lord knows uh, Abfab did that at times, and I, I I love Abfab, but there's some things that like I can't picture them doing that on American TV. Yeah, I was thinking of Abfab actually watching this and how like nasty the characters are to each other. And, and at the time, I think I don't remember it like bothering me. I don't remember looking at that and being, "Gosh, these guys are mean to each other." It just sort of was what it was. Um, but yeah, once we started watching Abfab and we got to that Morocco episode in particular, you know, I was thinking, oh my God. Well, I mean, I guess if you look at it, I mean, here they're, they're, you know, it's more slapstick, literally slapstick, um, you know, with the cricket bat. Whereas, uh, Abfab, it gets, um, very, uh, mentally abusive in some cases. And, and I, I adore Abfab, but there's, there are some episodes where it comes close to my level of, uh, of discomfort in a couple of things every once in a while. Uh, you may have heard me typing just now. That's because I was looking up Norman Tebbit on Wikipedia. Oh, yes, I was wondering about that. Th- this is one of a series of things, like in The Young Ones and Python, you know, there'd be these references to places and people that I just didn't know. Like, I had no idea who Reginald Maudling was um, and, uh, I didn't and know his naughty bits was or why that was interesting. What's that? And I said, and his naughty bits. Yes. Um, and so now I'm looking up Norman Tebbit because I didn't know who that was. So apparently, I'm going to read Wikipedia to you now. <laughs> he was a member of the Conservative Party, uh, and it looks like he just started being in the cabinet uh, around this time. Mm-hmm. So very political joke. And what else is interesting about him? I guess he was just uh, part of Thatcher's cabinet, who has a funny name. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, no, it it, it, yeah, it is true. So. I, I mean, I think about how much of um, uh, what I learned about <laughs> what I learned about um, uh, uh, folks across the pond. I learned from hitchhikers or Python or young ones, and and that's kind of a scary <laughs> scary statement in some ways. Just, uh, I mean, <laughs> can certainly think of. Um, of the reverse being judged by, you know, the American shows at the time, you know, by, by the A team or, uh, or by different strokes, I guess, or, or something like that. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm reminded of Daryl Hannah and splash learning, uh, learning to talk from watching TV in a department store. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that was us. Totally. Uh, I love Mike's coat. In this episode, actually, I love all of his wardrobe in this particular episode. But no, the coat, the, the coat is the, the El Presidente coat is uh, fascinating. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind having something like that, honestly. And I love that. I, I wonder how long it's supposed to be on somebody who's a normal height. <laughs> Not that you're abnormal, Christopher Ryan. You're you're my hero. I look well, I look across at you. Um, <laughs> you could I'm going to edit that you out. Could pl- you could play a Santarin, too. Yes, yes. Um, what else about this episode? I love, like I said, I love all the, the fires and the explosions um, and, and just the whole fact that their house is filled with these weird kind of supernatural things. So they've got this, they got the statue and the sunflower. 
uh, that talk. Their peas talk. I love uh, a genie lives in their teapot. I love Vivian headbutting uh, the or floor. Or did you love what? Vivian headbutting the floor. <laughs> oh yes, and well, that's that's very Vivian. Mm-hmm. But I mean, uh, what was the other supernatural thing I was thinking of? Oh yeah, those two guys on the the lifeboat oh god after whatever mm-hmm. uh and then opening the door and there's water there opening the door and there isn't like it's very uh uh, uh kind of magical well or even on the on a i suppose less supernatural but no less weird is the all of a sudden rick's room is a roller disco um, yes <laughs> like i mean it does feel like somebody Which, just pulled out a d20 and and said okay we'll turn it into a roller disco okay sure well they were big at the time it's true. I, uh, I, it looked, it looked like, fun. yeah, it's, it's, I would hang out in that roller. It's disco. funny. We, um, we, uh, talked about other stuff from the early eighties. I mean, I was certainly still doing stuff on roller skates in the early eighties. I remember this is even going, um, I remember when thriller first debuted on MTV, it was a big deal because the, uh, the, um, the roller rink not too far from my house was showing a projection of early MTV videos on the wall and so they were advertising hey we've got thriller here on a big big gigantic screen oh interesting which is funny i mean you think about roller skating and you figure well that's probably the 70s maybe 1980 and then it's kind of shuts down a little bit after that but at least at least where i was in connecticut it, it ran into the 80s absolutely yeah uh i never learned to roller skate properly or ice skate for that matter i just was not coordinated enough I don't think there was anything like that that I was actually physically good at doing. You know, roller skating, it's easier, I mean, because you've got four on the floor, I mean, uh, on each um, on each foot. It's easier to actually stay up as opposed to having a blade on either side. Uh, I'm I'm not fast on ice skates, but I can, I, I can at least get from place to place. Whereas roller skating, uh, despite my lack of coordination, I usually was okay being on them. My main problem was I had trouble stopping, uh, which meant I basically ping-ponged uh, which was uh, eventually I transferred enough um, uh, enough uh, uh, energy basically onto other people and as a result managed to stop. But uh, <laughs> so you ran into people to stop. Well, I, I did, I did, and you know at first it was accidental. After that, I kind of at first. <laughs> yeah, after that, I think I wanted to see how many people I could hit before I stopped. Um, yeah, <laughs> oh my God. yeah. Probably a good thing that I was I was very small and a bit of a pipsqueak, frankly, uh, so that um, probably if anybody was going to suffer damage from that, it would have been me. You were certainly a more uh, brash kid than I was, for yeah. sure. I would have been mortified if that happened. Yeah, no, I... Uh, I don't know if brash is the word I would use, but I appreciate your... Um, <laughs> I appreciate your discretion. Uh, what else about this episode? Is there anything else we want to say? Um, um, looking back on it here. Well, all right. So how would you compare this to demolition? Like, I mean, you know, if we were going to start rating episodes, I guess, uh, um, I love both of them a lot for different reasons. Uh, but this one just, it flows I think a little bit better. The the other one is very tightly scripted too. I feel like, but it's it's stiffer. Well, they hadn't quite figured I the think. characters uh, out either. I think so. The fact that the characters solidified, yeah. like oil. I don't know. Oil is kind of middling for me. I mean, even a middling young ones episode for me is great. Uh, but uh, 
um, the thing that I like about this over Demolition is the fact that the, I mean, as you said, the characters solidified so quickly on this one. They, they are, um, they're, they're pretty fully formed uh, almost immediately on this, and this, in that respect, influences all the episodes that came after it. So it really makes me wonder what happened in between the two of those, uh, the you know, the writing and recording of the two of mm-hmm. those that changed it so much. Like, presumably they like demolition enough to use it as the pilot. Um, but Rick, as I keep saying, is completely different. I think like his concerns are the same, but the Rick in demolition, I feel like uh, you could almost believe that he is. Uh, effective in his political aspirations. Yeah, but like he, we can't have that. He's kind of a little bit weird and neurotic, but he's a little more aggressive, I think, than pathetic. And this Rick is the one that's sort of like, as you pointed out, that body language is just kind of like, you know, always sort of, uh, how can I explain it? He just kind of like sits back on his hips a little bit. Like he's he's just a little bit more kind of like wimpy. It- I guess, for lack of a better word, he's not as well dressed. Um, I think they must have added acne to him. Yeah, I was wondering how much uh, of that was how much of that was Rick Mail and how much of that was Rick the character. I mean, they clearly didn't try to cover it up. So either they worked around it intentionally, or uh, they added it to to make him seem a little bit more sort of adolescent and uh, uh, just juvenile. It is true. Because that's the thing that really comes across to me in this, is that he's he and Vivian are, are kind of bickering like siblings as opposed to like roommates almost. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Um, I, think, I think Neil, as I mentioned too, is slightly less depressing in this one. Um, he's a little bit more endearing and a little less like, oh my God, <laughs> this guy needs help. Yeah, I mean, he's still, he's still um, obviously depressed, but he's not suicidal. I mean, you know, um, he's uh, uh, Eeyore, I guess. Um, yes. That's probably a good comparison. I think the uh, the delivery in this is typically really, really great. I mean, there's these really little subtle moments like... Um, his Neil's repetition of now is the time for me to finish painting my astrological charts. Um, and then his whole thing with, uh, you know, everybody in this house treats me like a, uh, a hippie, a hippie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, I don't know, just the, the, it, just some tight direction there, I think. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I will say, like I said, that this is not one of my favorite episodes, but uh, even a even a, a mid-range uh, Young Ones episode is a great episode. So it's the, you know, um, anticipating what's coming after this. Yeah, I, um, I would say I probably, uh, if you made me choose, I would say I like this better than Demolition, but I don't really want to choose because there's so many good jokes in Demolition. Uh, I love that outfit Rick's wearing mm-hmm. uh, in Demolition as well. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, I like them both a lot. I don't I don't know that I would necessarily want to choose. This is great podcast, by the way. 
I don't know which one's mm. better. They're all winners. Gold stars for everyone. <laughs> yeah. So um, maybe that's it for oil this week. Um, so next week uh, we will be watching Boring, which is an episode I feel like I remember really liking, but I can't remember because of the phenomenon we were talking about. I can't remember exactly what happens in this episode. Other than the game of Monopoly, I do. Yeah, no, that. it is is true. I was thinking um, about the fact that um, I used to get boring and interesting confused, which is hysterical. Um, by uh, and they're right next to each other, but um, uh, I'm I'm curious to find out what's in this uh, what's in that particular episode. Uh, this is nice. We haven't seen these in forever, and it feels fresh to watch them. Yeah, I mean, although as soon as it's on, I'm like, I know, I know exactly what they're going to say and what they're going to say. This is like. true. This is true. We'll start. You know, having to bite our tongues to stop quoting lines, basically. Um. <laughs> well, I oh, I do want to come back to something that I kind of stopped saying because uh, the Buddy Holly bit began. Oh, yes. But uh, I, I love this little insight into Mike's character that, like, he's pretending to be a ladies' man uh, to the point where he's, like, scattering lingerie around to make it look like he's getting more action than he actually is. Um, and this is pretty consistent with his character, but it's funny that he would even, even care to create that illusion for anybody else. I guess this is how he maintains his tenuous hold over the authority in the house. It's interesting that, um, just thinking in terms of who we actually see end up in bed with anybody, the only one I can think of offhand is Rick, although obviously, uh, obviously not much actually happened. Oh, sorry, spoilers. Yes, well, we also know from Nasty that, uh, None of them have uh, succeeded this is correct. in any of these operations, at least up to that point. This is true. So, well, anyway, that's for another time. Uh, we'll be doing Boring next week. Uh, thank you very much for listening to us um, and our enraptured, almost silence during the actual episode. Um, but as you can see, it's sometimes too wonderful to interrupt. Uh, Let's go with that. Signing off, <laughs> signing off for now. I am Drew. I'm Jeff. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.